1: back to another episode of dangerous world podcast as always you've got ryan and brennan here brought on a very special guest this evening just to talk a little bit about the middle east as he will be going there this is cody with uh the army he's an air traffic controller uh gonna be going out there doing some important work in the spicy desert as he calls it man i I find that kind of interesting dude
0: uh so how are you doing this evening cody i'm good brother I'm, i'm doing very well i've just been cleaning the house all day so nothing too exciting. This is probably the highlight of my day.
1: Right. Dude. we well, getting getting relaxed relax, man. I mean, like it, it's, I find it, um, I, my thing is like, I want to get into the mindset of an individual that, you know, you have a, a nice life here in the U S and then now you're about to go somewhere else where I'm assuming you, you, you don't feel comfortable, uh, as comfortable as you would in your own home. But, um, I mean, so, so what is the deal, man? Like, how do you feel about just, uh, You know, being being, uh, you know, told to go out into this area where I don't know, I'm very interested to know how you feel about U.S. occupation in the Middle East and all this good stuff. Um, But I mean, what just what are your thoughts about the whole thing, man?
0: So, I mean, going over there, I obviously have my own political ideals of, uh, you know, non non interventionism, but, you know, all in all, I'm actually really excited, mostly just to go and see something I haven't seen before and do something i haven't done before and that's that's the most exciting thing for me and you know I'm like like i said before i'm an air traffic controller with the army it's not like i'm going to be going over there you know kicking in doors and you know doing my thing like i'm going to be out there and just you know doing there being an air traffic control, and i get to go to new land new places and meet new people that's the most exciting thing for me um yeah other than that like i like i said i have my own my own moral compass of as to if we should be in the middle east or not but you no know, that can sure. we can go down that one a little bit more later on
1: yeah dude so like you're excited to go out there um that you mentioned why you are but why what is a a couple reasons or or any reasons at all of uh why you don't think that that uh intervention is needed out in that area
0: so it's mostly everybody i'm sure everybody has seen that name. the one where we've been in afghanistan for this long. And then it shows the picture of um, Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake and the denim top and denim pants. And then it shows a flip phone. And, you know, we've been in, we've been in, the, um, in Afghanistan for a very long time and we've been in Iraq for even longer. And honestly, I think it's, it's turning in, I think the public perception of occupation in the middle East is kind of turning the public perception of Vietnam, you know, where it's like people are starting to question as to why we're there in the first place. And, you know, like we said in my, our last videos, you know, the I'm, you know, I don't think that Trump walks on water, but he did him and Obama actually too. We're starting to pull people out of um, those locations. And I think that's the better idea, uh, kind of getting into Joe Biden's recent action of bombing Syria. Uh, I don't agree that we should be there i don't think we should be there at all anymore and with joe biden when he had bombed syria there was a reason why he did it and um i guess in a foreign policy point of view i can agree with it and that's gonna ruffle some feathers right there <laughs> well why <laughs> is that
1: i know brandon had something to say right now but why why would you agree with uh bombing syria and i'm not disagreeing or agreeing i'm just uh, curious as to your perspective here
0: So kind of getting into the region just a little bit um, A couple weeks ago There was a missile strike In Erbil in northern Iraq Which is up in Kurdistan Um, And it was actually done by A Shia militia group Now the Shia militias Are a different Section of The Muslim extremists And the uh, The Shia are backed by Iran, and they go into Iran to um, get funding, weapons, and training, and all that. Then they pass; they essentially passage through northern Iraq through Kurdistan into Syria. So the um, when the missile strike in Erbil happened, they were done by Shia militias, and then they, as soon as they struck, they went to Syria. And that's why we had to bomb Syria. So it sounds funny to say we got attacked in Iraq, so we had to bomb Syria. But that's the reason why is because that entire region, you have a lot of um, maneuvers of these militia groups and local nationals that bounce from country to country. And so that's that's essentially, in short, the reason why we hit Syria is because the Shia militia groups that attacked Erbil were funded by Iran and went to Syria.
2: One of the, th- one of the things, Cody, that I... I find a lot of people who talk about this subject uh, doing is simplifying these issues to really, like really, really short problems like oil, for instance, you know, just saying all yeah. oh, the Middle East is, is is for oils. But but if I could get you to boil down one, uh, a major crux in the reason why, you know, maybe why it's it's why we've been in there for so long, because there's a whole bunch of checkpoints at which people fault. Um, the the American uh, foreign policy for for uh, making mistakes like well, making mistakes like this or intentionally doing what they're doing right now however you see it one is that we shouldn't have gone into a whole bunch of these places in the first place we sort of kicked off the Arab Spring after 911 um, I don't think it's just America who did that obviously um, there is the not understand there's the idea that we just didn't understand uh, what kind of inter, religious conflicts were there and just ready for us to pull the, uh, the, the cap, the, the, the top off with Sunni and Shia um, going at each other. Uh, and then obviously Saudi Arabia backing the Sunnis. And then as you mentioned, Iran backing mm-hmm. the Shias. Um, and then the other one is just that we have another fault that a lot of people say the American foreign policy has, has in it is that we just like, making money so much doing this. And that's why we, that's why we stay so long. All of those, yeah. I i give a little differing amount of credence to what's the main crux though, for you as to, if you could sum up, let's, let's, let's pick, let's pick Syria. Since we're here, we did talk yeah. a little bit about defending, not defending, but understanding where Assad is coming from. How, um, what's her name Uh, from the, who ran for president in 2016, uh, Tulsi. Tulsi. Yeah. Tulsi, how she got in some hot water for her, Kind of closeness to assad so let's pick in syria what's what's the crux of the mistake there in foreign in american national uh, foreign policy excuse me
0: yeah so the you know how you said the people oversimplify by saying oil i'm going to oversimplify it in another direction and it's this is probably the more other reason why we're there not it's not be, it's not all because of oil right. oil is the financial reason why we're there and why we're in uh, kuwait and saudi arabia uae bahrain and all those other little countries but the um the main reason why we're still in the middle east is because it is real we are the roadblock between them and every other country who wants to kill them um again like again that's very oversimplifying it um, that to actually kind of expand on it a little bit more you have to realize that um, islam is 600 years younger than christianity or judaism And Judaism is obviously older than Christianity. So right now you have to put it in perspective that Islam is kind of going through their dark ages when it comes to religion. While we already went through ours with the separation of the Catholics and the Protestants, and then the Protestants and the Catholics had their wars between each other. Now you have the separation within the Muslim community with the Shia, and the Sunni, and then you have the Wahhabi, and then you have the Kurds up north, which are actually a regional difference, I'm uh, sorry, um, racial difference than they are um, religion difference. But um, it's, it's what makes it so volatile is that they might be going through their dark ages, but now they're going through the dark ages in a time where everybody else has the technological advances to be able to exploit that situation.
2: So that, that's a good simplification, and it's exactly what I asked you to do. So that's that's great. What about on the other end? I want I want to see just how f- how differently you can interpret some of these uh, these fights. So Kuwait, the first Gulf Gulf War, um, a lot of people have different ideas about just what it stood for. In the same way that uh, people look at every single war, you know, it's not always just about one thing. How about an idea like this? Kuwait, uh, or excuse me, uh, Saddam Hussein in mm-hmm. fight in fighting. "Quote unquote for Kuwait for control of it right. w- was fighting back against British imperialism, and as such, for people who really I think I don't know how you feel about it, but for for someone who does value someone's uh, the world's ability to govern themselves on a national yeah. basis, just in, you know uh, independently, um, I'm not saying I'm rooting. I was rooting for. I would have been rooting for him." Uh, to 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 fight back against british imperialism but what about you know the 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 lib side that 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 there that that's a strain of anti conflict thought that s- conservatives and the the neo the neocons were pushing back against hardcore so can you yeah. see can you see any how about in in the gulf war in that instance in that framing where kuwait is uh b- backed by um by uh, Saddam Hussein is fighting f- to give this country its independence and also, yeah, c- c- fighting to give its country independence. What do you think of that narrative?
0: So, yeah, this, um, the British control over the Middle East has been happening since World War One. Since the fall of the Ottoman Empire after World War I, the British were the only ones who had the ability to take control of that region because they had control of the Suez Canal. When they took control of the Middle East, they, I guess, again, an oversimplification very in short, but they're saying, we don't want to take care of this, so we're going to draw a bunch of lines in the sand and column countries.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they introduced, they introduced the idea of states, right? Because it's, it's it exactly. is, states and nations are a Western creation, uh, as strange as it seems. Right. You know.
0: mm-hmm. Because at the time, all they, the Ottoman Empire was separated by regions of religion and nationalities. And they all came together under the Ottoman Empire when they came in as countries. So um, setting aside Kuwait for a moment, uh, Iraq, for example, should be three individual countries. You have the Arab Sunnis in the southwest. You have the Arab Shia in the southeast. And then you have the Kurdish Sunni up north. And then, of course, you have a bunch of different others. But those those are the big three. Um, when it comes down to Kuwait, when the when the English were there, uh, think of Kuwait as kind of a Singapore of the Middle East. Okay, how um, so? Either Singapore or Hong Kong. When okay, the British had um, taken control of the region, they had found uh, massive amounts of oil, and so the Brit the East India Trading Company had kind of taken control of that region, and so the British. So, um, I get yeah. The British military kind of guarded the um, the the Kuwaiti royal family to maintain control of that region. And so, the the Kuwaiti royal family essentially had the money and had an agreement with the British. When the British left the region, I don't forget. I forgot the year, but um, it was around the time of World War One, World War II. When the British left the region, Kuwait essentially became its own. Country, its own, its own
2: uh, empire. Because I don't know, still, 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 the, fin- still, financially tied to the British Empire, but it, yes. it, it, it remains any kind of semblance of state that we can hope for in the Middle East at that time, exactly. for sure. Yeah.
0: And so, um, I can understand where you're coming from when it comes to Saddam uh, trying to release Kuwait from the British ties, but the Kuwaitis don't want to be relieved of those ties. There's when we when we took when we took went in in the Gulf War, ever since then, the Kuwaitis have been paying us to stay there so that the Kuwaitis don't have to have a strong standing military to defend themselves. So that's why we're still in Kuwait and we use Kuwait as a jumping ground to get from location to location within the Middle East. We are essentially there as a contracted military force with the United States or sorry, NATO and the the Kuwaitis. And they pay us to stay there. Well, one, yeah,
2: one, one more, one more question I have just about your perspective here, Cody. So, so you you mentioned that uh, the way I think you put it was Iraq should be split up into three ethnic religious uh, groups. Is that yes. is that the prime um, thing? Is that is that I, mean, well, I won't call it a utopia, but is that a a goal to reach for because it's the best we can do right now. Uh, is it a goal because that is that because that you are okay and understanding of States basing themselves off of ethnic religious differences um, or is that just because uh statehood, you know, national nationality in the middle East just is, is such a foreign import. Which one of those would you, would you agree with most?
0: It's kind of an all three really. Um, and the problem with, And here's another here's the other issue with the the Middle East, too, is that um, when it comes to Iraq, if you do split it up into three, now that leaves northern Iraq as Kurdistan. Now, the problem with the Kurds is that they their region is between northern Iraq, uh, northwestern Iran. I forgot what countries are north of that. uh, And then, of course, northeastern Syria and portions of Turkey and Jordan and Armenia and all that. So the Kurdish region is expands a, across all those regions. So if you create Kurdistan as its own country, now you're going to um, essentially have to deal with the other region, regional issues within other countries there as well. And, but that kind of, I guess, so, so solved the problem with Iraq. Um, and, but you can't really have the statehood ideas with that region. Um, because they're all mostly religious-based governments. And you have other countries that also are religious-based governments. Now they say, hey, now that Iraq got, like, let's say Saudi Arabia, for example. Saudi, uh, Iraq got split into three countries. Now we're going to absorb um, southwestern Iraq, which is mostly Arab-Sunni. We're going to absorb them. And the majority of the people there are going to be okay with it. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. now, okay, well, we're,
2: we're like you it's we're, like,
0: we're, like... we're with the Saudis.
2: It's like uh, Crimea with, with Russia back in twenty twelve or exactly. whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. We, just, we belong to them. Yeah. You we. know,
1: it's interesting that you bring up Russia right now, Brandon, because that's what I was trying to say just a second ago was that the United States has this kind of uh, history of helping out what ends up being twenty, thirty, forty years later, their enemies, right? like with the Mujahideen. Mm-hmm. We talk about uh, in our episode with Josh Monday, we were talking a little bit about how the Mujahideen were fighting against the Soviets, but it, this was the cold war era. So it's like, okay, well, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. So we need to get in here. We need to help these guys out. They're hanging out in this mosque in Brooklyn. Uh, you know, kind of being radicalized by, by all accounts. And you know, it, it comes back to bite us in a way. Right. So mm-hmm. I just find this, this whole dynamic, very interesting, man. And then, you know how you're saying that, yeah, you know, I signed up for a job. I'm absolutely hundred percent willing to go out and do my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're, you have mixed feelings about going and why, why, the, why the military as a whole is out there. Um, and, yeah. and I can't agree more with that, dude. You know, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth here, but that's just kind of how I, how I took what you're saying.
0: That's and, exactly it. You know, it's like I, uh, like you said, you know, me, you know, I'm, I'm an adult. I'm a man. I'm going to stay. I, I said, I said I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it. At the same time, my my morals are saying, you know, I don't really think we should really be there much more. Yeah. Definitely. You know, yeah. it's funny. You brought up the Mujahideen uh, in Afghanistan. Uh, the, Af- the Afghanistan region is is wild. So yeah. the reason why setting up a democratic government in Afghanistan is so hard isn't because um, people don't want it. It's because that it's a, it's a completely tribal region. So the tribes only care. It's, so imagine like the United States. The tribes there are small towns here. So let's say, um, in Arizona, for example, you try to say in Arizona, we're going to set up the the Arizona Republic. Now you have Prescott saying, well, I don't care about the Arizona Republic. I only care about Prescott. You have Flagstaff saying, I only care about Flagstaff Mm. and now Payson and page. And for example, so that's going so on and so forth. And that's exactly what it is in Afghanistan. Like the tribal, the tribes over there don't care about a, a bigger government. They only care about what's in their tribe. They only care about what their tribal leaders have to say. When the elders say something, they take that as law. And so um, you can have a democratically elected government in Afghanistan and they say, hey, everybody, you have to you know, wash your hands every five minutes. Like this is obviously a <laughs> stupid example, but let's say that's a thing. The tribal leaders say, no, We're gonna have everybody wash their hands every 10 minutes. And then now the people of those tribes are gonna do it every 10 minutes because they don't care about what the federal government of Afghanistan says. And and on top of that, you also have more racial issues in Afghanistan as well. So this is a this was a curveball when I first learned about this, too, is that there's a big group of people in Afghanistan called the Khans. When Genghis Khan had invaded the um, the Middle East, obviously, Genghis yeah. Khan had been known to be one of the men with the most most wives in history. Yep. Well, there's a very very big region of Afghanistan where everybody's last name is Khan. They're all descendants of Genghis Khan. Wow. And That's they only. Yeah, and then they only care about what other khan say. You can be a Khan from Kandahar. You can be a Khan from Kabul, or you can be a Khan from up north. And they only care about what each other say because they're essentially um, racially profiled by other Afghans in Afghanistan.
1: So it's like a little mafia in a sense, right? It's or like, yeah. uh, you, like you said, a tribe. And, I, you know, Italy, speaking of mafia, they, like the, the Italians, they're very regional, too. You know, mm-hmm. they have more regional pride. Like if you live in Calabria or Sicily or uh, Puglia or wherever else, you, you're, you have more pride being from that area mm-hmm. than you do – being an italian you know what i mean right. they always they all battle it out for who's got the best food and who's got who, who is the most <laughs> efficient, whatever yeah. and and it, to me that might be a goofy example but i feel like that is exactly what they're doing and and i can't say that i disagree with just following the people that you feel comfortable following you know what i mean like everyone's giving trump so much crap about being about america first kind of what these people are over there doing but the same people exactly. that are that are you know going against trump are like well let these people do what they want at the same time so it's just this conundrum this like mental gymnastics that we see from both sides and it just to me it's fascinating go ahead yeah.
2: is 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 the breakdown of the reliance on those um tribal bonds is that something to be hoped for in your um in in your mind, Cody? I mean, I I just wonder if we should, if you think we should be, because I I in the end, I think that that the West does hold the moral high ground on a whole, on a majority of issues when compared to when you're comparing the East yeah, Eastern world to the Western world. Uh, yeah. Do do you see a place for us putting better efforts than we have in the past, but putting efforts towards the um the the shaking that part of the world loose of the idea that, Hey man, it doesn't need to be tribes. In fact, if you connect yourself to a wider demographic of people, um, then you will end up, you know, altruism pays off in that way. Is that something to be hoped for in your mind? Uh, Again, considering considering that, let's just say if we could do it right, you know, if we could do it right, is that something that you would want?
0: Um, I guess if we could do it right without, um, more foreign national and American blood being spilled, I guess. Yeah, but in all, all in the end, we all know that that's not how it would happen. And I'm this is the hippie in me talking, you know, the California me, but saying, you know, live and let be, man. Like we can be over here hanging out with our big screen TVs and our capitalism, and you know, the, everything that we sit there and hold true to American society. You know, the Second Amendment, the Constitution, and all that, all the uh, this, that, and the other. While they can be over there in their tribes and living life and hanging out with, you know, their imams who are sitting there saying, you know, preaching the Quran. Dude, like, live and let be, man. Like, I don't. What you're saying
1: right there, Cody, is it's a hundred percent true, man. Because like, so many people aren't going to get behind a war effort unless we're attacked on our own continental United States or Hawaii mm-hmm. or, or uh, Alaska or whatever after 9-11 after those attacks there wasn't one person b- whether it be a kid a liberal a democrat a, a, an, a an old man or old woman whatever everyone was all about going over there and getting the people that did this you know what I mean yeah. and whether you believe it was Saudi Arabia Iraq Afghanistan U.S. government whoever you think it was okay we were told and we reacted in an emotional like so quick like a visceral reaction mm-hmm. to what happened we're like okay we're told it was these guys let's go get them There was like you know there's that cliche thing where like i never want a, another 9-11 but i do anything for another nine twelve. you know what i mean right. like everyone yeah. was everyone was on the same page as far as going in and invading and you'll never have that unless we have some sort of Epic crisis like the, like what happened that day, and right. I, and I would never want that, right? I don't think anyone in their right mind would. But, but what's
0: funny, like you said, um, in the other podcast. Sorry, go I ahead. Said, I said in the other podcast where um, when Ronald Reagan said that humanity will never uh, come together unless you know there was aliens. Yeah. And well, what's funny is now that the the actual support for the the wars in the Middle East are kind of dying down. People are starting to question why we're there. And now you're starting to see Americans turning on each other again. Yeah. Because now the interest in being over there by the American population is like, well, why are we there? You know, it's their fault. It's their fault. So now everybody's pointing fingers and attacking each other. And of course, again, it's just oversimplifying issues in the United States. But um, we're essentially kind of at each other's throats here because there's not a lot of interest elsewhere.
1: Sure. Well, that, yeah, and that's exactly right, man. Like so yeah, I don't think that we are at risk of being attacked by anyone. Um, you know, a lot of people that tune into this podcast, they know my stance on the whole 9/11 uh, thing that went down. Um, you know, but I don't feel like anything like that could be pulled off because the country's so freaking divided. Even if it was some nefarious, yeah. uh, you know, deeds that were done, uh, you know, by the deep state or whatever. And this is Ryan talking here. This is me just putting like mm-hmm. what I'm saying. This is not, you know, speaking for Cody or Brandon. No. If it was the, the the deep state of the United States carrying out these attacks, they wouldn't want to do that because we are at our throats so much, man. You know what I mean? Like why would they want to unite the country if they're trying to get us into this universal basic income why would they want to take us to the point where we're like, okay, hey, you know what? My liberal friend, I get it. I don't agree with you at all. But there's a bigger enemy out there. You're not the biggest threat to me right now. Right. So let's both- settle that big threat and then let's come together. And then maybe, you know, 10, 20 years from now, then we'll hate each other again. But for right now, let's just be friends and let's go and get the the real bad guys.
0: So right. I just what find was- that really interesting, man. Why attack your enemy when they're attacking themselves?
2: Yeah, what what... So is is that is that implying then that, that the next uh terrorist events that that occurs is uh not is, is is not going to be of the deep state I I I don't know if that's a that's a low blow or a gotcha but like would it would <laughs> it line up with your guys' ideas then if some you know if, if uh, one if the one world center uh uh comes comes down in a few weeks is that does this rule out just that that there's any nefarious stuff going on by the deep state? Honestly, man, like
0: I'm starting to worry. I wonder if the next incident that's going to happen is going to be deep state or not. Yeah, you know, I'm definitely, I'm definitely a big deep state believer, but I'm starting to wonder if it's going to be um, some other entity. Sure, you no know, entity that's like kind of excuse my french but kind of getting tired of everybody's shit
1: hey you know? man you know the podcast we don't care about anything that you say <laughs> man. You, can, you can let it all out here,
2: ryan dude. ryan does so, hate the french though but
1: well <laughs> dude the, you know i don't hate the french at all but there is you know speaking of the french it's not just the united states man when there's like an epic terrorist attack whether it be in like brazil or not brazil in britain um you know the subway bombings that happened there. Everyone's rocking the the British flag on on uh, in back in the MySpace days. And then when the Paris stuff happened, everyone's like, "We stand behind France." And then people all around the world were saying, like, "Our our hearts and our, our thoughts and prayers go out to Las Vegas during that Las Vegas shooting." Mm-hmm. So when there's these tragic tragic attacks on these soft targets, the world unites around that. You know what I mean? So like, kind of getting back to like what Reagan was saying if some other worldly enemy came over and like, you know, vaporized an entire country or whatever, yeah, we would all hopefully rise together, but it's the same concept, dude. And with the deep state, I mean the, the deep state, you know, people say that they don't believe in it. It, It's pretty much undeniable. The, The all that the deep state is, is they're unelected officials. You know what I mean? They're unelected officials that are very rich, very wealthy lobbyists, things like this, that, control a lot of what the sitting presidents uh or sitting leaders politicians that are you know kept and held in high regard to, to a lot of people um you know seeing the way that biden in my opinion has flip-flopped on on what he started out as and then where he is now i don't think he believes in a lot of the things that he's signing in but you know third time's the charm as far as running for president. And so this dude's in now he's got to play ball. You know what I mean? He can't, he can't, you know, and, and again, I, I know, you know, this is a, a, a sketchy thing to say here, talking about this kind of topic. This is me saying this, you know what I mean? I just find that it's, it's fascinating when people are going to say no Biden is doing all he's thinking on his own. He's doing all this stuff by himself. Same thing with Trump, you know, Trump, Trump, he was in someone's pocket. Everyone said like, no, he wasn't serving anyone else. He was serving the American people and he was doing what he thought was right. You don't think, why did he, why do you think he had Jared Kushner and his daughter working in the government with no political experience? You know? Yeah. Maybe Jared Kushner got some things done as far as like peace deals in the Middle East, which are quickly going to unravel very, very, very quickly. Um, So I, I just, I find it, I find it interesting when, when, we get behind these people, and we actually we we almost put these people up to levels where they're gods. You know, like right. when when a ninety year old politician dies, <laughs> we're like, wow, I can't believe he died. You know what I mean? It's so weird. It's like, no, he was ninety, and he had two heart transplants. <laughs> he he died. He, he, you know what was. I mean?
0: Yeah, well, exactly. Like, like this thing with Tiger Woods. A puppet master, there's all everybody has a boss. I don't care who you are. You could be, yeah, dude. You could be the Queen of England. You can have a boss. Yeah. Everybody has a boss. Um, Absolutely. The the one thing that's hard for me to wrap my head around, especially when it comes to conspiratorial stuff, is when people say, oh, the one world government's almost here. Um, here's the, the the one reality check that I have for myself. And again, kind of just kind of walking back in the middle of portion. How can you have a one world government when, the Afghans won't even recognize their own democratically elected government. How can you have a one-world government when the Americans are constantly, constantly questioning reality? Uh, you know, constantly I think it's a slow burn.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's and a then slow burn. And go ahead, Brennan. And then, and then the idea is also that like people got to get finances. I mean, I know a, a good, a good portion of the Middle East still does not. Um, still does not charge usury for, for a whole bunch of things, but, yep. um, or does, excuse me, does not commit usury, but, uh, they, they still like have to, when, when America goes into these, these, uh, these, these countries that are just now building up, like they'll finance the building of things like universities, you know, uh, in, in big cities. And that makes like the farmer's kid out in the middle of, of, of Afghanistan, since all of his friends are going into the city uh, are, are going maybe to university, they're leaving behind like farm jobs, you know? And now, yeah. now, even though the father will be, the father of that kid will be left without a worker. It's you're kind of, even th- those positions, you can see how th- you would be a bad parent for letting your, your kid go along. So I won't deny that there are there are ways to hook to still hook them in even if they don't call themselves um, even if they don't call themselves like beholden to this higher power we're kind of dealing with the same thing in like like Texas here to a lesser extent right they are no. one of the people who are like ethnically and geographically seriously proud and yet they still have they still have these these ties to what uh, they still use a shit ton of the deep state to run you know they still they still are are funded by that um but i wouldn't say that
1: that texas is ethnically proud you know what i mean i don't know what what you mean by that but it's not like texas people are like we're proud there's white people here and that's it you know what (laughs) i mean like i would it's not i
2: would ask i would think you
0: meant like nationally nationally proud because texas views themselves as their own government yeah yeah
1: yeah. well that makes sense but ethnically to me doesn't make sense (laughs)
2: <laughs> I, I mean I, I would i would think we could find some interviews with some texans i'm not saying it's it's representative <laughs> of of all of texas but that's the same with the middle east like you're not talking about all of the middle east being racist or ethnist uh well
0: it's funny you, yeah. you say that because i was watching family guy earlier and one of the things it said <laughs> was, <laughs> um it was he went down to texas and he's like well you guys let a retarded guy hold a gun this place is awesome you're like, you're what son and they put him up to the electric chair. He's like, wait, can we just talk? He's like, talking for gays and blacks. You're retarded. We just <laughs> Dude, yes. <laughs> no, like, and that's the
1: whole thing, though, because we know how liberal Seth MacFarlane is and that whole writing stuff. Yeah. Hollywood as a whole, you know what I mean? So it is like there has been a hit out on Texas as far as like, you know, if the government, if the federal government could put economic <laughs> sanctions on Texas, they would absolutely do it. You know what I mean? It, yeah. It's just a little tough for them to do it. They're pretty self-sustaining there. They have their own gold vaults in, in Abbott, Texas.
2: Abbott just uh, repealed all of the mask mandates and opened all businesses, yes. too. So, man, they, are, they don't give That's a, a fuck down there. Like, everybody's worried about It's <laughs> a beautiful about. thing, man. Yeah. We Florida's been doing storm? <laughs>
0: Well, what's that? we get rid of their masks.
2: Yeah. Well, go to- ahead. Yeah, go- <laughs> Cody, <laughs> it's not. He, do ahead, you me, think that ahead, these
1: people over there in in the Middle East are wearing masks? You know what Absolutely I mean?
0: Absolutely not. Maybe the women because they have burkas and shawls, but <laughs> they're <laughs> right, not that's scared, that's scared of this
2: stuff. <laughs> it, but yeah,
0: it, I can guarantee you they don't give a shit about COVID.
2: Bringing yeah. it back to the, uh, the the other side of the world here, Cody. What uh, my my last little because I, I, I love getting into service members' uh, minds, especially ones who toy with with conspiracy theory ideas. So um uh, with what we have today all the pieces is where they are exactly are they are you can't change anything before you make this decision what do we do in syria man are we getting behind assad and just recognizing that we just can't have a rebellion in there or we do do we go full force saying hey the rebels they are a, another representation of the arab spring and even though we've screwed up a lot of that we still have examples like tunisia uh, someone would be crazy to to think that that Syria will look like uh, Tunisia in the next twenty years because Tunisia is one of the ones that that worked out after in the Arab Spring. Mm-hmm. So what 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 do we do, man? You going with you going with Tulsi? You going with with the ex uh, with <laughs> the, the deceased uh, John McCain there? What are you what are you doing over there? If you're king for for a, a couple years here,
0: if I was king for a good day, point, I would you know let nature take its course, man.
2: So pull out but and, if, if, and uh, pull out, and Assad, if, if, cr- Assad, like whoops their ass, right? Like that's probably I, I think that's what thinks, nature is. Yeah, you know.
0: yeah. Like if if that's how, um, if that's how that region handles it, and Assad whoops the rebellion's ass, okay. Does it affect us? Why are you, we it, over there?
2: You would you would say you would say no that it doesn't uh, doesn't affect us.
0: Right? Why? Like again, kind of branching back over to Vietnam. Does the communist takeover of Vietnam affect us at all? More than likely no, not.
1: not. at all, because the second largest, I mean, you know, the, what is it? The, the second largest economy is a communist powerhouse. It affects yeah. us a little bit, but Vietnam is not nearly the size of that. Yeah. And it seems like there's just been this, you know, dick measuring contest of capitalism versus communism since, yeah, you know, who really knows has- how long it's really been going on.
0: And, you know, ahead, I'm Jamie, sorry, I'm a I'm a huge fan of, you know, open the markets, you know, free market, free market libertarian. And. Like, obviously, I'm I'm against corporatism, I don't like the corporations, but I'm all about the free market. So I guess that's a little bit of a um
2: laissez faire. Zero. Yeah, laissez, laissez uh, faire. Just let it let it let it be a kuna matata. Right. Uh, yeah. So what about though? <laughs> what about. ryan brought up one way in which you know it can can, that kind of thing going on in vietnam can affect us what about just the migrant crisis i'm I'm wondering how legitimately because that's another piece of the puzzle we have to we have to solve here there's just aleppo being or already has been torn apart right so is that just something that we are here to deal with do we not even get on that do we shun them from our from our borders
0: yeah. See, and again, um, kind of just trying to stay true to the plain view. Let's say everything that's being shown on TV is 100% fact rather than kind of going down the conspiratorial mindset. Um, the migrant crisis, honestly, just handle it how we have been, you know, I know our pro I know our system isn't perfect, especially when it comes to immigration, but if you want in this country, then you got to go through the process for it. And like, I understand you're going through, I understand you're from a war-torn country, but we can't accept the entire country of Syria into our country just because you're refugees. I, as shitty as that is to say as a human, like, I'm sorry, It, it just, would you allow your entire apartment complex to live in your apartment just because half of it burned down? nope i know again it sounds nationalistic and it sounds douchey to say but i mean when it comes to put it down to a reality check we we don't have the resources in this country to um uphold every war torn nation in this world
1: no it's not it's not even a, a rude thing at all in any sort of way at all to say cody because like you know the And I'm not trying to make this too political here, but like when, you know, the left has been saying that Donald Trump's wall against the southern border is is, uh, you know, it's oppressive and it's rude and it's all this mean stuff. Orange man's mean. (laughs) But then what happens as soon as Biden gets into office, they put a wall around the Capitol building, a wall around (laughs) D.C. And and then Nancy Pelosi has walls around her house. She's got her own little private security force. Why is that okay for these people to do it? when we don't want to have guns, we don't want to have walls on our borders to protect ourselves. We're worshiping China right now. China's got something called the Great Wall. You know what I mean? Which, yeah, that was built in a different time. But it's just like, there's such a double standard when it comes to, you know, what America, what's best for America, and then what's best for everyone else. We need to put blast, and then everyone else is, is before us. It's that whole cliche of like, if the plane's going down, you put your your air mask on before you put your child's on you care about your child more than yourself but you can't help your child unless you have your own mask on you know what i mean this Uh, is not the the covid mask talking about but you know it's the same same kind of concept where it's like dude what are we talking about here why are we not just why are we not just thinking about this from a strictly common sense point of view instead of trying to be so freaking politically correct man it's getting to the point where it's just it's going you know my dad used to say that religion was the worst thing for this world right religion is what we fight wars blah 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 and then social media came out and these social media is going to bring down this world and now what he says is political correctness you know what i mean political correctness Mm -hmm. is a freaking cancer on this society man and we seem to be the only ones here in the united states that really hold it above common sense
0: so i actually had a kind of revelation the other day the reason why we're so beholden to political correctness and solving them more, what we could, would consider now minor issues. Cause you know, you, what's funny is one side says, Oh, we have to defend the rights of this group or we have to defend the rights of that group. And everybody has to be equal. And then the other side says, well, look at the other countries, look how bad they are. Why don't we focus on them first? And it's like, we've gotten to the point in this country that I, you know, I don't like using this word. I don't, but we've gotten to this point to we are so privileged that we have to uh, go down I get a different rabbit hole of small issues that are now seem to be big issues when in reality, they're still very, very minute, like in, um, in Qatar, for example, if you get caught, no, sorry, not Qatar, um, in the UAE or Saudi Arabia, if you go to a hotel with a woman who's not your wife, she gets hung. Mm.
2: That's why. That's why I went to Dubai, by the way.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, like, you have countries that still view that kind of stuff, and we're over here saying that children should have trans rights because we have a we're in a position in history where we don't have any real big issues anymore. So now we're nitpicking at the smaller issues when it comes to social justice, saying everybody has to have rights, and now we're kind of making it into this big deal when reality, like. There's still places in this world that, you know, gays get thrown off buildings or blacks are still, or sorry, not necessarily blacks, but Africans are put, still put into slavery, like in the Middle East. Again, there's a, there's an African slave trade. How's a
2: Christian, Christian slave trade too. Go ahead, Brennan. How, how though do you square that with, I'm not trying to nail you down here. I really am curious about cool. your perspective. So how then do you square all of that badness in the world? Well, I, I guess you do. You square that ba- all that badness in the world still with the fuck, fuck if We can do anything about it, you know.
0: Yeah. Well, the way I look at it is, um, I, I'm I'm always torn between let nature take its course and you know being let um, live and let be versus we have to you know help the help the underdog. Uh, but I think to help the underdog is the American.
2: Is is True. the what? I'm sorry. The American. Gotcha.
1: All right. That's the that's the American and all of us is wanting to help people that are less fortunate. But then like then again, you know, go and ask homeless people if they care about pronouns. You know what I mean? Even here in the United States, they don't Yeah. You know, it's it's these rich people that really have nothing. You cannot hurt these people at the top. And so what they're going to do is they're going to try and change your language. Right. They're going to try and say the things that you can that you can and can't say. It's a it's and that's
0: a key- issue with authority, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, especially when it comes to government. It's like, yeah, these people up in their um, marble palaces who are trying to sit, who are trying to talk down to us and tell us how to live and how tell us how to accept people and accept this and accept that. Yet they haven't even gone grocery shopping for the last twelve years.
1: <laughs> I, I think. <laughs> yeah, they tell I, you that you don't need. Sorry, go ahead, Brandon. I, I
2: ahead. just think it, it is important to, uh, to to plant a flag there and say, though, that. Oh, uh, with one in four uh, 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 trans use being homeless, I, I think they have a little bit of something to say about about the usage of pronouns. Sorry, sorry to cut you off there, Ryan.
1: Yeah, the the point oh 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 one percent of homeless people that are trans. I get you. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if we're gonna start, you know, worrying about all these all these like super niche, like micro groups of people, then yeah, we're not going to get anything done. I mean, you might as well not leave your house because that might offend someone. If you walk out of your house, you know, stepping with your right foot out front because, you know, a lot of people are are left-handed, you know, a lot more people are right-handed, but like if you
2: start writing with your right hand, (laughs) it's not that we should offend people. It's not that we should change our lives based on it, but you started off by saying no one care. No one who's homeless cares about that. I'm just saying, yes, there are some people. (laughs) Now, what we do about that, that's that's on a micro scale of and when we're talking about a a national national issue here, but a whole bunch of the value systems, the competing value systems work their way out, because like you said, Ryan, it is such a small percentage of of the American population that is. Um, that 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 falls into these LGBTQ plus A seven uh, question mark hashtag uh, categories <laughs> here, and um, it, it is a, it is then a it is then up to us individually to then trade off. Well, we have the underdog of the underdogs there, people who are fucked in life. They got the the shit end of the the gene and and societal um, uh, of stick stick handed to them. And we don't have to we don't have to expend all of our energy going there. Uh, at the same time, we might not want to expend any any energy at the same time. A lot of people think if you don't expend any energy there at all, we since we have the power, maybe they think to change things um, that, that that we should. And that's so again, that's just my, a microcosm of the, the bigger issue that we're talking about. And I think that the way that those run parallel to each other. Um, When we're talking about all kinds of issues on this show is that that, that you can see people's values line up uh, line up that way. One last question I had for you, Cody, is there is there is there a particular way you like to square your like in one sentence, square your um, being a part of the military? Because Part of it is just a job. Right. And I will say that mm-hmm. for me, it was, this, this is a good way for me to get out of, of Craig, Colorado, where I grew up from. <laughs> is there any portion, yeah. is there any portion your, of your service that you're looking back on saying like, Hey, you know, I know that I was one of the foot soldiers to, um, to the evil henchmen of the, of the deep state, but uh, I also have, I also have a job.
0: Yeah. Well um, so I am an air traffic controller now, but a couple of years ago I would say, six years ago now I think yeah it was in 2015 when I had gotten out of active duty um but yeah I was a I was a scout I was um I was reconnaissance I was 19 delta and at the time I I love it was a love hate relationship because I loved being a scout you know I loved being in, in the Bradley and I loved rolling around I'm like I was getting at the battlefield because you're you're an armor and but and that's kind of when the the whole thing kind of happened because we were, we got sent to to Europe in 2014 for combined resolve. And this is when Russia was in Crimea. And don't get me wrong. They they called it a deployment. It was a vacation. Got to go to Germany, dude. Like that was fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, they're sitting there saying, oh, we got to stop the Russians from invading Crimea. And then we have to, Help, essentially be a show of force i'm like what are we gonna do we're a we're a small company of you know uh bradley's and we reconnaissance what are we gonna do against the russians
1: <laughs>
0: yeah a you know, speed bump yeah that's what i want to do thanks no kidding, and that's man. when i um kind of got out and i decided to go to national guard and change my change my gig to air traffic control and honestly that's probably the best move i've ever done
1: that's interesting man you know like when when you say it like that cody it makes it seem like you played that game Stratego. yeah it, it seems I mean. like that's like what these freaking you know like rich uber rich people do with the military it's like the, you know they put this small force in this area and mm-hmm. in, in, in your words uh make it a speed bump for the russians if they did want to go and invade yeah like it, it's just it's a chess game it seems and and I mean. you know here from someone, right? You know, someone that was on the front lines of something like that. It just kind of like you know, kind of hammers that idea home. Obviously, a, a strong military is needed, right? For, oh, yeah. for number one powerhouse in the world, the United States, we need a strong military, and this makes Absolutely. it.
0: And like Americans Teddy like Roosevelt, like Canada, Canada you know, speak softly and carry a big stick. Like a, a strong military is needed, and like to have that show of force is necessary. Yeah. But like, there's also the part of me of like. Why do I give a shit about Crimea? Why do I give a shit about Ukraine? Why do I give a shit about what Russia's doing when I'm worried about what's going on at home? You know, there's yeah. the... I feel like the the pride is kind of leaving a lot of
2: people, like the, the American pride,
0: like, oh, we're we're badasses, you know, back-to-back World War, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. do you yeah. feel a little...
2: Yeah. You feel a little like cynicism creeping in, Cody, as you, I, I, I know that that would, it, it, it coincided with me just be just growing up too, because I yeah. turned 18 in boot camp, but don't you feel some like national mm-hmm. sense of cynicism creeping in where we don't yes. value, yeah, yeah. Is that something, mm-hmm. is that a good thing?
0: Yes and no. I think um, in a way where people are starting to realize that you know, a lot of what we do, military-wise, foreign policy-wise, um, internal policy-wise, I think a lot of things that are happening is bullshit. But at the same time, I think it is kind of a bad thing. Um, again, this is where I'm split into, especially when it comes to the the idea of a need-to-know basis. Like, There's a lot of stuff that actually happens in the world that American people probably have no idea what's going on. And they probably should never know what's going on, even though I'm 100% on know with the whole transparency thing because people would probably lose their minds if they realize what's really going on but i i think there should be a sense of patriotism and yeah i want to serve my country but i think that the uh, waking up to the bs that's being fed to us is also important too good point good like i point, said that's the, i'm right there split in the middle No, I think think every time I think of the military, I always think of uh, because I'm a big music. I'm a big music fan. I've always listened to System of a Down, and their song "BYOB." You know, (laughs) you know. Why? they always send the the bombs.
1: (laughs) Bring your own bomb. Bring your own bomb. No. So, what do you think about real quick, Cody? Like this way, how they glamorize the military, like at, at you know, pro football events. Um, you know commercials you, you get like this you know scrappy looking dude and then he he jumps in he gets to put on this great marine suit and everyone is like you know he goes from being this loser to this hero and everyone is just like worshiping this guy in the commercials that is right yeah Do you think that that is some sort of like sinister indoctrination or or is there something else going on there the
2: fetidization of the military and it's a nasty nasty exactly. fucking thing yeah 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 i okay.
0: yeah. I think that the there is a fetishization of military. If I said that right, I'm, I've been drinking a little bit today. Um, you deserve <laughs> it. You deserve um, it. The uh, so have you guys seen the most recent you know Go Army commercial? The one where people are trying to re- be recruited, and it's like it looks like um, this mix between. Um, an anime style. Now, it's not anime style animation, but it's like anime style, like you know, powers where they're sitting there, like putting their hands in the sky, and this big beam of light goes up, and it's like super obnoxious. Like, like it's it's the most cringeworthy commercial I've ever seen. Uh. And then there was another one where it was like a, a total video game, and it's all propaganda, you know, trying to make it, trying to make the military look cool. And I think that the fetish position of military does take its toll because, you know, here's a good example. When I was going through basic training as for to being a scout, right? You know, everybody was there. It was essentially like, yeah, let's go kill something. Yeah, I want to kill something. And I understand, especially when it comes to combat arms mentality, that's what they want to drill in your head, that they want you to go out and kill something. They want you to be that mindless drone that wants to go kill something that is quote unquote, not human like you are
1: well this is why they take young kids right out of high school they target them right because they they don't have the the same thought process like if you send a 30 year old man into a hot battle scene you know they may have some thoughts if they're like hey go out there and and do this that you know they might be a little apprehensive versus like a hot hot to trot 18 year old man that's ready to ready to rock shit you know what i mean so yeah yeah, no i definitely agree with you man
0: yeah it's 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 frustrating because I was one of those kids at one point where I was like, "Yeah, let's go to the, let's go to Iraq, let's go to Afghanistan, let's go, let's go kill some Hodge, you know. And all of a sudden, like I get a little older and I get a little more mature, and I'm like, "Hey, these guys just—they're like—if I start looking at it from their perspective, not not sympathizing, but kind of empathizing, understanding what they're doing. Like yeah. if we were Afghanistan and the United States is invading us, I'd be shit, fuck yeah, I'd be fucking." doing the exact same thing they're doing. I, sure. don't want, I wouldn't want a foreign country coming in here to my village and telling me what to do. Definitely no. Do. I
1: don't know if you've ever heard uh, Dakota Meyer talk on podcasts, but Dakota Meyer is i
0: is I've a, heard the uh, name he's I've got an... the podcast before. What's that? I've heard the name Dakota Meyer, but I've never actually heard this podcast before.
1: You ought to check him out. He got um the... Uh, what's the highest ranking? The highest medal? Medal of Valor?
0: Medal of Honor. What's that? Medal of Honor is the highest award you can give.
1: Yeah, there you go. Sorry. This goes to show how much I know about this stuff. But yeah. So this, <laughs> this guy is a Medal of Honor recipient. Um, he got it just for basically saving his entire group or doing what he could. You know, uh, basically all of his best friends died that day and medal for it. And he was just sitting there talking about how he literally got a medal for the worst day of his life. And he, yeah. he hates he hates that medal. You know what I mean? He's he's grateful and he, you know, he's honored to have it, but at the same time, he hates that medal because he every time he sees it, he's reminded about the worst day of his life. And so right. it is kind of that fetish fetishization of that whole thing, where it's like, dude, like what you know. And, and again, man, it, it, it's such a, sh- it, it's. I feel weird talking about this stuff, just because it is something that I appreciate so much when people go out mm-hmm. and they risk their their own neck so that we can complain about uh gender politics and all this other <laughs> stuff over here
0: yeah right? and you know like what's funny is the here's the thing though it's like as many issues as i have with it like i i signed a contract i'm sticking to it i i gave my word saying i'll do it so i'm gonna do it you know yeah. i i might have my issues with why we're over there but there's one thing i hate worse is uh, people who go awol or uh, people who uh I guess, yeah, just AWOL in general, people who leave their posts. The the world. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's like I, even if I was in the shittiest location in the world and I didn't want to be there, I didn't agree with being there, I said I would do it. So I'm there. And essentially at that moment, I'm there for my homies. I'm there for my buddies. And like it sounds it sounds cliche it sounds tacky but like that's exactly what it what it ends up being like whether you're in the field or you're on deployment or you're getting shot at or you're just hanging out in the barracks one weekend and one of your homies gets a um (laughs) one of your homies gets a little too spiced up and jumps off the third third, floor balcony thinking vampires (laughs) real story too over in fort hood um <laughs> one of my guys, he goes <laughs> yeah. um the um, we're on the third floor he's on the set uh, we're on the so yeah we're on the third floor on the second floor there was a party going on and there's a bunch of um, civilian dudes down there he goes down to bump a cigarette off some guy grabs the wrong cigarette that oh, cigarette that no. was um, laced up with bath salts he was yoked out of his mind on bath salts oh. on the third floor balcony and he thinks that all of his buddies are vampires he tries to jump off the third floor balcony and it's like it's it's stuff like that you know it's like you're in the shittiest position but you're in it with your buddies. Spice and that's oh. <laughs> why you, you push through it all.
2: Spice was fucking, was fucking motherfuckers up when I was in there, man. That shit, <laughs> yeah. that shit will tear tear them tear the ranks up, dude. I saw an entire entire boats like entire portions of boats leave just because one guy yep. started smoking it and then the other guy and, the, and they can't they couldn't test for it for a long time and it was available everywhere. That's a motherfucker, man. Well,
0: oh, <laughs> that's yeah.
1: comforting knowing Knowing people with uh, messing around with nukes are all spiced up like that, dude. You,
2: you, you would, you, your, your asshole would pucker if I told you what kind of people are poking <laughs> around with, with, uh, with what is it, little boy and, and big Ben or something like that? Whatever the nuke names were, <laughs> yeah, dude. Well, it's um, funny.
0: I had, I have one of my soldiers. This is when I became an. Uh, be, I was a corporal, and he comes up and he's like, "Hey, uh, corporal, uh, I just want to let you know I've been doing cocaine." And I'm like, "Why did you fucking tell me, dude? God, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now I gotta say something." And then I go and tell my, I go tell my first line. He's like, well, why'd you tell me? I'm like, because he told me. And if he gets in trouble, (laughs) so do I.
1: (laughs) That chain of command, man. That's, that's, that's so interesting, man. It's the biggest regret of mine is not signing up, you know, biggest regret, biggest regret. But um, I mean, I don't know, Cody, I don't know what else to say other than, you know, just thank you for going out there and and signing up and doing your thing, man. I know you don't like when, uh, when anyone is going to, you know, thank you for what you do. But I mean, dude, you know, without people like you doing what you do, we wouldn't be able to be here and do this podcast. We wouldn't be able to have our day jobs. Like no one listening to this would be able to have the same life if it wasn't for you and a bunch of people like you that were brave enough to go out and do what you're doing, man. So I thank you, you know, Brandon, Brandon spent some time in the service as well. So, I mean, anyone that has signed up uh, you know, this is, this episodes for all of you guys, more so than, than you know, for people like me that, that didn't sign up. Um, but I mean, you know, I, I wish you nothing but luck. I hope you make some great memories out there, man. And I very, very much look forward to talking with you when you get back. Um, if you're able to ever chat when you're out there as well, feel free, dude. Because, you know, like, you know, we, we've, uh, I, you know, got to have some drinks with you a little while back. And that was a nice time, dude, just getting to kind of like throw a couple back and just hang out and uh, absolutely man
0: when i know, get back we're definitely gonna have to get some more drinks uh we'll have to get brandon up there too because that, that was a good time
1: absolutely man there, so man. let us know dude if we can do anything for you um i don't know if you want to plug any social media or just tell anyone else what you're up to other than uh you know your your next big uh, journey in life right here um but i mean this last last couple minutes is all yours man
0: yeah um my my instagram the only social media i really have um, besides snapchat and i hardly even use that my so my Instagram is the the barber underscore forty eight. Um, so yeah, I, it's nothing special. It's nothing fun. It's just aviation and barber pictures. So if you're into that kind of stuff, then I guess I'm the Instagram for you. Close <laughs> cuts. Yeah. it's very niche. It is it's very niche. I like it. So yeah, I appreciate you guys having. No, think- it was it was definitely good. Kind of just rambling on and kind of going through a bunch of because I'm a I'm a big history nerd. I love history. So i i'll just i'll just ramble on forever so i'm glad you guys kind of dealt with me on that one (laughs) well dude you know it's just a it's a
1: fun fun time just hearing you know people's life experiences and getting into this stuff but um again can't thank you enough cody brandon do you have any closing thoughts here no man stay cool
2: out there bro all right bro appreciate it
1: all right cody best of luck to you guys and thank you all for tuning into another episode we will see you in just a couple of days